We would like to say, first of all, tonight that we are indeed thankful to the good Lord for this privilege that we have to assemble here tonight as eternal bound people. And I hope and pray that we've met here that we might be able to come together in unity and be of one accord and one mind for the Lord's cause and for his kingdom. I'm thankful that the Lord established his church during his personal ministry. Amen. Some of my brethren think it was by the seashore or others different places. To me it's very clear it was on the mountain when he called to him his disciples. He assembled them there. After he established the church, he put the first ordinances, first workers in it with apostles he had there, and then he, then he started building on it. But, but I'm thankful that he did establish that. I'm thankful that he gave that church and that church only the authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creatures, every one of us, Amen. and gave us the, a way to be identified from all other denominations, and that is by keeping our two ordinances that he gave us pure. One of them was baptism. That represents his death and burial, and the other is the Lord's Supper. That represents his suffering on the cross Amen. of Calvary. And, and the true Baptist churches have kept them two ordinances all down through the years as the identifying mark. Another identifying mark the true Baptists have is we recognize Jesus as our head. We recognize the Holy Spirit as our leader. And we recognize the Bible as our rule and our guide of faith. Amen. And when people say, why do you believe something? We say, because the Bible says this. Yeah. And when somebody says that they believe something, we say, where is that in the Bible? Give us a thus saith the Lord for that. I realize in the 1800s, remember, Thomas Campbell supposed to coin the phrase, where the Bible speaks, we speak. And when the Bible's silent, we're silent. Baptists had held that position a long time before Thomas Campbell ever came on, on the scene. And if you actually t study Mr. Campbell's doctrine, it's right reversed. Where the Bible's silent, he speaks, him and his son Alexander. And when the Bible speaks, he was very silent on it. He had it backwards in the doctrine that they introduced and taught for salvation. But it's good to be here tonight. We titled this uh, as, as Correcting Irregularities. We started the, the, the studies out the first night. We defined what Baptists say a church is. Now, I'm an I'm a old-fashioned missionary Baptist, and I'm thankful of it. I believe what we as Baptists teach and what a true church is. And all down through the ages, it, it was simply an assembly of baptized, born-again baptized believers that looked, looked to Jesus as their head, the Holy Spirit as their leader, and the Bible as their ruling God of faith. Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible, no matter how, how hard somebody might try strain the Scriptures, Will you ever find that the Bible required a church to have a direct arm from another church? Nor will you find in the scriptures anywhere where the, where the Bible requires a good church letters coming from another church in order for it to constitute another church. Right. That, that, those doctrines are modern day in the last, last few years that have been introduced to the people. But our forefathers, and that's what we, reason we brought the Fiddy Creek out first, it's a case that uh, is sad. When Old Salt Lake Church divided, that was sad. When any, any time a church divides, it's sad. Yeah. The reason they divided, divided, it was very sad. It was over mission work. But it wasn't that the, that the majority didn't believe in missions. They did believe in missions. They believed in, 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 in supporting directly. When the Lord called somebody to a mission field, send them out. They believed in that. What the majority was opposed to was the, the new mission board that started two years prior to that by some of the brethren down at Nashville. That's what they were opposing. But they weren't they weren't breaking fellowship with Salem Association. Matter of fact, as we pointed out, Salt Lake went to the Salem Association after they had excluded these members that had stormed out of their conference. Miles West preached the sermon that year. The association seated Salt Lake that year, so they hadn't departed from the faith by excluding these thirty-six brethren. And sisters that stormed out of the conference. But nevertheless, the association then decided to take up the memorial that this minority, according to the history now, the memorial that the minority presented to the association to try to, to, to you know, help them. And I know they needed the help on that. But now, the very rule of an association is that it has no authority to interfere with the internal rights of a local church. Salt Lake did not ask them to interfere in that because they'd done settled this problem. Uh, as far as Salt Lake was concerned, if these brothers and sisters came back and made their apologies, they would have restored them. Yeah. 
But these, these 36 members didn't want to come back and make an apology, nor did they want to remain with Salt Lake because Salt Lake did not want to fellowship the modern day convention that it started. And they did. So what did they do? Well, you know, some of our brethren make an argument. Oh, you've got to go back and make it right, make apologize to the church first before, and get good writers and go out and constitute a church. Did the Feedy Creek do that? No, they did not. They did not go back and make an apology to Salt Lake Church, even though they stormed out of the conference, shook the dust off their feet, and said fellowship broken. And that's the way they were excluded. Did they, did they go and join a sister church of right faith and order and get received in there? No, they did not. Did anybody grant them good letters to go and constitute a new church? No, they didn't. Did they get an arm from a sister church? No, they did not. So how did they get to be a church then? By the rules that some of our brethren had brought forth in this day and time. Well, if, if they're honest, they're going to say that they weren't a church. But now, that's not the way the old-time Baptist practice. These old brethren that took care of this problem, they had a disunity that had developed amongst the society of Baptists. So they took care of it. They knew that a church was simply an assembly of baptized believers. And that's what they did. They went down there and set a time and constituted the, the minority that was excluded into a church and they took the name of the Feedy Creek. The next year they came back to the Salem Association, petitioned, was joined, and received unanimously. So that, that's, a, to me, a, a, a good example for all of us as old-time Baptists to, to be aware of and, and to be able to correct irregularities when they start creeping in amongst us. Yeah. And when brethren say, oh, you can't do that, I say, well, yeah, we can, because we did in the very beginning of our society here in Tennessee. And these brethren that made this decision was the first generation of Baptists that had settled this area, that it came from Virginia and from North Carolina and South Carolina and Georgia. And they didn't have the modern ways it could be. They, they spent weeks and, and months uh, following that old one-horse cart, some of them like John Wiseman, an old one-old horse, and walked a lot. Them brethren came. They wanted to come where they'd have freedom to worship God. And that's what they come to this area for. Where they was living, they were oppressed, even here in America at that time. They did not have freedom to worship God. And that's where they came to Tennessee and to Kentucky, so they have freedom to worship. So, so uh, to me, Defeated Creek, I have no problem with them being a sister church. Not a bit in the world. I understand how they came in existence. I have no problem with that whatsoever because I believe Baptist doctrine. Now, I meant to do this last time and I failed to. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not, a very, I'm not a real good speaker and I realize I know that. And I get awful nervous up here. And some of you preachers know, know what I mean. Sometimes things that I intend to bring, I, I forget. But I meant to bring this out last time about what a precedent is. And I'm sure you all know what a precedent is, but I want this to go on record. According to Noah Webster, 1828, in law, a precedent is a judicial decision, interlocutory or final, which serves as a rule for future determinations in similar or analogous cases, or any proceeding or course of proceedings which may serve a rule in subsequent cases of a like nature. So, whether the, our society today lies or not, Defeated Creek is a precedent. We look back and see how they came in existence, and we cannot deny the fact that they are a church, were a church. If we tried to, to say that, oh no, they weren't scripturally organized, then where is that going to put us? Because most of our churches in this area will be affiliated with, with Defeated Creek either through baptisms, Letters or something down through their lives. So if they're not a church, most of us, when we check our history, won't be either. They baptized, I mean, they ordained by the T.W. Matthews, a very humble man, very good man. And they ordained him and sent him out. And he pastored, I've got the list and I'll give that later on another discussion. But he pastored a number of our churches over this land and country. If they weren't a church, if they were alien, then, then they had no authority whatsoever to to baptize anyone, to administer the Lord's Supper, or to ordain anybody. Anybody that they were baptized would have been alien. Anybody that would be baptized by somebody they ordained would be alien. Just simple, simple as that. So therefore, every church that T.W. Matthews pastored in his lifetime, 
caused that those churches to become alien by that, that argument that some of the brethren put forth in the latter years. But see, our brethren didn't believe that back then, nor did they practice that. So, so Defeaty Creek is a perfect example to be a precedent of, of a group that's been excluded, not over doctrinal reasons, and constituted in church by, by an association. I know, know people don't like that, but it happened, and it's a church. I also gave you last week the split of, of the, the, in this discussion, the split of Testament church, and showed you in the record that it was a church that was organized out of members from Salem Church in Allen County. Now, I realize there's a Salem there now at Amos. There's no, there's no connection between those two Salems. I want you to understand that. The Salem that was constituted in 1804 in Allen County uh, died out. It's, it's no longer there. But there was a, 12 members that got their letters in 1811 or 12, and they went to the Gapper Ridge of Tennessee, and they constituted a church by the name of Testament. They had two ordained preachers to help them in their constitution, a brother Roark and a brother Parker. The only Roark that I could find in that dispensation of time was William Roark, who had started punching camp. Uh, and some of y'all know where that was at. And, and, and it was been during that dispensation. And the other brother was Brother Parker. It, it named him later. He was Brother Daniel Parker, the one who started the two seed spirit doctrine. But anyway, this church also at Testament did not want to fellowship the Tennessee Baptist Association. So they made a motion and second to withdraw. From the association, I mean, from, from the Tennessee Baptist Convention, but they went ahead and they assembled at Salem Association. They weren't going to break fellowship with Salem Association at that time. They were going to continue on, and this was not a point of fellowship at that time between the churches. If those that wanted fellowship, this new uh, thing that brother, brother the uh, house started was fine. Those that didn't, that was fine. Wanted a point of fellowship. So they made a motion, the majority of testament voted not to, to fellowship the Tennessee Baptist Convention. When they got there, and when the association then trying to overthrow Salt Lake's authority, inter interfered, that divided the association, and testament did walk out with Salt Lake and, and some others. And we showed last week out of their amendments that, that came before their, so their church, the next conference, and they wanted to know whether or not the church backed these brethren for walking out of the association. It was a close vote. 22 to 18 voted to support the brethren that walked out and was willing to go to a new association. 18 voted against that. They weren't satisfied with that, so they tried to bring it up again. 22 voted against bringing it back up. 18 voted to bring it back up. Same ruling. So when the minority of their testament failed, they left. Now they continued to call themselves testament. Even though the other, other church was the majority, they, they called Brother uh, uh, Miles West to be the pastor according to their records, and they then appointed delegates or messengers to go to, the, to this new organization. We also showed you in, in our previous lessons here that Brother Jonathan Wiseman was a uh, in the Salem Association, he seated in, in November in the Constitution of Defeated Creek. He went to follow in, uh, in October, Defeated Creek, went to follow in November and helped constitute the Round Lake Association of Primitive Baptists. And the very next year, the association appointed him to go to the neighborhood of Taylor Gilliam and, and preach there in that community at the request of the minority of Testament Church, evidently, that's where Taylor Gilliam. Uh, was in the minority, so they requested the association send somebody up there. And Jonathan Wiseman was the one they sent up there, and he was representing also in this Roundlift Association. So that proves there was no doctrinal issues at that point in time. Salt Lick had not departed from faith and practice like some say at that time. Jonathan Wiseman continued to pastor and represent. I've got records on this in the Round Lake Association at least to 1845, because he still was representing from Mount Pleasant Church in, in the Round Lake Association. From 1940, 1938 to 1942, he was the same brother that was over there doing the mission work in the, in the neighborhood of Taylor G. Gilliam. Now let's look at this. The minority of Testament departed. They did not get letters when they departed. The minority, there's no record of testament of them ever constituting into a church. 
Now, let's talk about Baptist irregularities there. Were those recognized in that dead time as irregularities? No. The Salem Association continued to seat that minority uh, at Testament Church yearly until they dissolved in, in 1845. This minority that never did constitute did give 19 members letters to constitute Siloam Church. Now that, that you know, to us today, that would be an irregularity. But it was not an irregularity in that damn time. And so we find that Testament Church, the split of Testament Church, and the beginning of Siloam Church, the way they come into existence, is a precedent for us to go by. I mean, if that's what the brethren did in that day and time, and if that was the traditions of the, of the brethren in that day and time, and you had brethren that was coming from at least four different states that settled this area, yet they were in unanimity on how to handle these issues in that day and time, then that must have been the common consent of Baptists everywhere in that day and time. No way around that. So we've got two churches here. One established by an association without any church authority. I've excluded members that named itself the Feet Creek. We've got the other church here that... Uh, that started out of a minority that walked out of their conference and continued on as a Test Testament church. Because I've heard brethren argue that you can't have two of the same church, but you did hear at this point in time in 1837 through 1842 you had to. Now, we find that William Bransford was the moderator of the service when the 19 brothers and sisters got their letters to constitute Siloam Church. Now, did Testament Church grant them an arm to constitute? No, they did not. Did Testament Church have anything to do with their constitution? They weren't even invited. Think about that. Look back on, on Siloam's records and see what churches they actually invited to their constitution. It was William Bransford, which he belonged at Hillsdale, what they called it Goose Creek back then. It was Jonathan Wiseman, who was <laughs> pastor of the church in the round lick at that time, plus he blown down, I think it was what old Hopewell there, and, and two or three others, but, but their home church that they got the letters from was not even invited to the organization. Do you find that to be strange? I did. But anyway, they, they, this 19 came together, they formed the time, they asked these churches to send their brethren to constitute them into a church. Brother, Brother William Bransford, Brother Jonathan Wiseman, Met on that day, they constituted uh, these members from Testament into a church, and they took the name of Siloam uh, uh, United Baptist Church of Christ. And so that's the way Siloam came into existence. But I have no problem with that because they were born again, scripturally baptized believers that had assembled. And they gave themselves to the Lord and to each other to advance the cause. They fit every definition that Oakland Baptists require for them to be a church. The material was Baptist material that went into the Constitution. Now we could take the position, oh no, they didn't get good letters. You can't, you, a minority that walks out can't grant letters. We take a position like that if we want to. But when we do, Siloam Church will touch about every church in this, this area, at least through, through your administrators. Yes. At least through your administrators. Because Brother Ford Lambert, was one of their administrators. Brother Doug Curtis was one of their administrators. Uh, Brother uh, J.D. Sanders was one of their administrators down through the years. Uh, Brother Alvis, uh, uh, I forget his name, but he was one of the administrators down through the years, and, and, and so forth. Uh, so these, these preachers, if Siloam cannot be recognized as a church because they didn't have good letters or have an arm from somewhere, then where does that put all the rest of us, folks? But I'm thankful them brethren back then helped the Baptist doctrine and didn't go along with all the foolishness that was taught in years later. Amen. Now I presented these two for this reason. One, out of the excluded members, one church organized out of a minority that just walked out of their conference and never constituted. Now tonight we want to present to you another uh, precedent that's similar and yet it's different. But our Baptist brethren took care of it. It kept, kept in unity. And that's what our desire is in it, to be in unity. Amen. If we see what, how our forefathers reacted to this and, and quit getting what, 
What the others accuse us of going by man's opinion, they're the ones following man's opinions, not us. We're following Baptist doctrine. Not long ago, I heard one brother said, put a quarter in Pendleton's manual and throw it away, and you say he throw something away. Well, that was kind of foolish, that young brother, who it was, to make such a silly statement and show his ignorance. We, brother Pendleton was one of, the, one of the greatest leaders during our dispensation time in the Lambert movement. And if he didn't know that, he would have been ashamed of himself for passing church and making that statement. But we're going to discuss tonight about the, the First Baptist Church at Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I, I want us to remember, when we talk about the First Baptist Church back then, there, there, there wasn't like they are nowadays. Back then, everybody believed in penitent believers being baptized in the Lord's church. Everybody back then taught heartfelt salvation and, and would only baptize people on the profession of their faith. This easy believism at this time had not even began among Baptist people at that time. So they wore the appellation of the First Baptist Church because they were the First Baptist Church that was constituted in Nashville. This is that plain and simple. Now, give you, giving you a thought about this, uh, the pastor was R.B.C. Howe at this time, and one of the members was J.R. Graves uh, at this time. And Brother Graves was a well, I'll read to you out of this little book that somebody wrote that got himself in a lot of trouble a few years ago. <laughs> Can Baptist churches receive members from other Baptist churches uh, by statement? I'll read to you what this author wrote about just briefly on, on, on J.R. Graves. Graves stood firm uh, for his doctrinal beliefs such as, number one, Christ established a local visible church. I believe that, don't y'all? Amen. Number two, baptism and the Lord's Supper are the only two ordinances given to the church. I believe that. Do you? Yes, you do. Number three, for baptism to be scriptural, there has to be a proper mode, immersion, a proper subject, a believer, a proper design, immersion, and a proper authority, a Baptist church. Now, they did leave the, he did, did leave the administrator out, but he understood that the authority was actually rested in the church, the final authority on that, and I agree with that. He said the ordinance could only be administered by Baptist preachers under the authority of a Baptist church. Any other was alien. I agree with Brother Graves on this. He denied the universal church theory, saying ideals of an invisible universal church are invisible nonsense. And I wholeheartedly agree with him on that. Dude, that's the biggest bunch of nonsense I ever heard of, this big invisible church here in, America, in the world now. Six, he believed in a direct mission system where the churches sent their aid directly to a missionary. And this is in 1858 now. That he, was all, he was still having problems with what Brother House started in 1834. They were still having this squabble. Even though they were members of the same church, they didn't agree on how to do the mission work. Now, and he goes on to say he believed in a complete church autonomy with no higher tribunal than the local visible Baptist church. All seven points there, I think that all of us here as old-time Baptists concur with 100%, Captain. Now, him and Brother Howe got into it, and it did get very personal. I've read, I've read a lot about it uh, through, through different things, and Brother Howe said some things about Brother Grace he ought not to have said. Brother Grace said some things about Brother Howe he ought to not have said. And what was worse, they put it in print. You know, you, you know, once you put something in print, you can't hardly, hardly say, well, I didn't say that. You know, but they did do that. Uh, I, I really believe both of the brethren was kind of wrong in, in what they were doing there. But it did cause the First Baptist Church to kind of split. Uh, one following Brother J.R. Graves, the other following Brother R.B.C. Howe. But now here's a, they, they brought Brother Graves up, the majority did, because of, of his... Uh, Actually, his personal attack on Brother, uh, Brother Hal. But I'm going to read you the part. You'll find this recorded in the Southern Baptist Encyclopedia's uh, page uh, 582, if you want to read it for yourself. Uh, it's, it's in the first paragraph. It says, Graves accompanied by a number of supporters from in and around Nashville uh, attended the church conference. He spoke at length to a motion that the charge be dropped and insisted that the church proceed in harmony with Matthew 18, 15 through 17. As the matter at issues were strictly personal, 
About midnight, the church voted 91 to 48 to proceed with the trial, or they're going to try Billy Graves anyway. Even though they had not followed Matthew 18, 15 through 18. Brother Graves had not followed that. Brother Howe had not followed that. So we're going to go ahead and proceed against Brother Graves anyway. Uh, Whereupon Graves and about 23 other members withdrew and declared that they were the first Baptist church and the majority were no church but a faction. Now you think about what they've done here. The minority now has pulled off and said, we're the church. They had no letters of dismission. They had no arm. They had, they, they, they had no authorities anywhere else. They just pulled off and declared themselves to be the church. All right. They elected Gray's pastor and publicized themselves as the First Baptist Church. The church, which had obtained a charter in 1858, at once warned them that, that, that legal action would be taken against them if they continued to call themselves the First Baptist Church. They then called themselves the Spring Street Church, saying, We declare ourselves to be the regular and scriptural church of the Lord Jesus, worshiping in this place and in this name, claim for ourselves as his true and proper church all the rights, privileges, authority which are by his word conferred upon the church. So here we have a, a, a different scenario altogether. We have a group that pulled out and declared themselves to be the church. Was they recognized? The church tried grazing in absentia. That means they went ahead and tried him anyway and him not being there. Found him guilty on all seven accounts and only one dissenting vote on, on, on one account. And excluded him on October the 18th and then published its proceedings in a booklet, The Trial of J.R. Grace. Well, I guess that was, I guess Brother Grace appreciated him making that public like that, but they did it and he had to live with it. And he lived it down. Now, I, I was thinking about this. The Baptist General Association of Tennessee and North Alabama met at Lebanon five days later on October the 28th. And by a, an overwhelming vote, received those sent by the minority as the messengers of the First Baptist Church. So the, 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 this general association recognized J.R. Graves and the minority as being the true church. Can they do that? Well, they did. Correcting irregularities. They thought the majority was irregular because they failed to follow what Jesus said in the Bible to do. All they had to do was present J.R. Grace, follow Matthew 18, 15 through 18 with J.R. Grace, and, and they wouldn't have had an argument, but they wouldn't do it. They excluded him without following the scriptural procedures of doing that. So the association, the general association, seated the minority. The association refused to recognize those sent by the church to permit them to be heard or to receive their written protest, thereby declaring that the church, because it tried and excluded grace, ceased to be a church. The association ruled the minority was a church, and the association had ceased to be a church. And, and you know, did they have the authority to do that as an association? Certainly they did. Did that make the majority not a church? No, it did not. But they had the right to, to make that decision they wanted to. They were body politic, independent. They could make that decision. Final? No, God's final on all things. Now, the church immediately preferred charges against eight men, including Dayton, that the A.C. Dayton, and three deacons for schism and specified seven accounts. It postponed the trial because of Dayton's illness, but on February the 15th, 1859, keep that in your minds. Tried them in absentia again. They weren't there, so they just wouldn't try them anyway. And excluded them. Ten days later, it, it, it excluded 15 others of the minority, most of whom were employees or part owners of the Southwestern Publishing House, employees of the Tennessee Baptist, or members of the family of the men involved. In November the 9th, 1859, the church excluded 21 others who had gone with the minority, and on April the 4th, 1862 more, this made a total of 47 excluded from several hundred members. So this minority that 
claimed to be the true church that J.R. Grace was elected pastor of, consisted of 47 student <laughs> members from the First Baptist Church at Nashville. At the request, now remember, one association has done recognized the minority has been the true church. At the request of Spring Street Church, 40 men from 20 churches of the Concord Association sitting as a council heard Gray's side of the matter, March the 1st through the 3rd, 1859. With no one present from the first church, each charge made by the church was presented in order with Gray speaking to it. The council voted on every, each account that he was innocent, that from evidence presented it believed Howell and the others had determined to ruin Grace and had tried him for that purpose. That Grace was justified in refusing to stand trial because of his unscriptural arraignment and that the actions of the church were null and void. The minority did right in withdrawing from the disorderly dominant part and that by violating Christ's law, Matthew 18, 15 through 17, it forfeited its rights to be a church, church and became a faction. The Spring Street Church approved the findings and had them printed in a book, Both Sides, 1859. The Concord Association approved the council's finding at its July 1859 session and upon the recommendations of a special committee of which J.M. Pendleton was chairman, seated the messengers from Spring Street Church and refused to seat those from First Baptist. Now that's the complete document that you'll find in the Southern Baptist Encyclopedia. And let me, let me remind you of one thing. The Southern Baptists have never been partial to J.R. Grace. They never have. The Southern Baptists have never liked Brother J.R. Grace or his movement. I mean, they have always been biased toward him. So what they said here about him had to be the truth, and they couldn't get around it on that. I also have within our possession tonight a copy of the Concord Minutes by John Bond. I'm very fortunate. I, I'm going to tell you, the Lord has blessed me with getting me this information. I, I don't know why, but I'm thankful for it. I also have uh, what happened in 1859. I remember. Brother A.C. Dayton was excluded in February. You remember that? He's in the minority that's recognized as a church. I'm going to read to you the beginning of the service of 1859. Introductory sermon by Elder A.C. Dayton. Isn't that something? He was excluded from the majority, and yet the association had him preaching the introductory sermon. That would be a high irregularity in this day and time. We would have churches breaking fellowship with one another over it. Yeah. But back then it wasn't an irregularity. See, the, the association recognized the minority, even though they were excluded, as being the church. And Brother Dayton had been wrongfully excluded. And so they didn't recognize that exclusion. Now, I'm going to read you to in entirety the report that the committee came up with on this issue. Well, I guess first, let me, let me read this part first. Uh, in the afternoon, E.W. Hale moved that the two Nashville letters now be taken from the table for disposal, which Mosin produced some discussion. Elder Pendleton offered as an amendment that both letters be referred to a committee with instructions to report on Monday. At this point of business, a very animated discussion was sprung. And it was. But anyway, they, they voted to put it in the hands of the committee to, to investigate this issue. Now I'm going to read to you the findings of what the committee came up with. We see no reason why the action of this body, Concord Association, should be at variance with the actions of the General Association of Middle Tennessee and North Alabama in its decisions against the majority and in favor of the minority as an orderly and constitutional First Baptist Church of Nashville. Nor have we any, we any fault to, the, to, to find with the judgment expressed by the council convened, convened March last. That judgment, we think, was in accordance with the facts in the case. That a New Testament law was violated in the arraignment of J.R. Graves, we cannot for one moment entertain a doubt. 
The offenses in, in charged against him were evidently personal. It is, a vain, it is in vain to say that they were public, for public offenses, as well as private ones, may be personal. In all cases, the personal offenses among church members, the law of Christ, was laid down in the 18th chapter of Matthew, must be observed. Until this is done, no church can, without involving itself in disorder, take cognizance of such cases. It is therefore manifest that the dominant part of the first church in Nashville became disorderly in practice when it arraigned Elder Graves in disregard to the law of Christ. It seems to us that the principles of common justice were greatly outraged. In the failure of the church to furnish Elder Graves with definite specifications, Christian's propriety, ordinary courtesy, and simple justice required that the prayer of the protest of Elder Grace should be granted. And I agree with that. They should at least furnish him what they were scrutinizing for. But they didn't. I I like it when churches come up and say, well, we bring a charge of sedition against them to scrutinize. Well, what what kind of sedition? We don't know, but that sounds like a good word. (laughs) And that's about the way a lot of our Baptists have been excluded over the years in Masses. That is, it was not granted, it's proved positive that those who voted against it were indisposed to do right. And the use made of the name of Elder R. Fuller of Baltimore after he, in legal phrase, entered Noli Prosecai, indicates the same thing. We are of the opinion that Elder Grace made his protest at the right stage of that, of that proceeding against him. And when it was disregarded, he and the minority who acted with him were perfectly justified in withdrawing from the disorderly dominant party. We see now that they could not have taken part in the trial so-called without acquiescing in what they knew to be a violation of the law of Christ. It was their duty to withdraw. And we recognize them to be what they claim in their letter to be the orderly portion of what was the First Baptist Church, Nashville. While we considered the dominant part majority as the disorderly portion of said church, from which this association should withhold its fellowship until said majority retraces its steps and rescinds its unscriptural acts. In view of these facts and considerations, and others might be named, we, re- we recommend the adoption of the following. Resolved that the messengers of the orderly portion of what was the First Baptist Church in Nashville are entitled to seats in this body. Resolved that as the national minority have taken the name of Supreme Street Baptist Church, having resolved to build their house of worship of said street, the clerk so designated in the minutes. Resolved in view of the unscriptural proceedings against Elder J.R. Graves, in connection with the fact that the misunderstanding between him and Elder Dawson of Georgia was a, a, has been amicably and honorably settled, Elder Dawson admitting that Elder Graves was justifiable in entertaining the view he expressed before he heard the explanation made at the time of the settlement, and in view of the additional facts that Mr. Tustin has openly proved by his recap action, recent actions that he never was slandered by Elder J.R. Graves, and being turned an unsound Baptist, it does seem to us that justice, honor, and religion requires the disorderly dominant party at Nashville to retrace its steps and modify its records. Resolved that we, as we earnestly desire to adjust the, the, the national differences, we would be exceedingly gratifying to this body for the dominant party of Nashville to correct the disorder to which it has fallen so that we that peace may be restored in our Zion. Resolved, now, and I want you to listen to this one really careful. Resolved that while it may not be expedient for the two parties at Nashville to be united again in one organization, we would heartily rejoice for such a state of things to be brought about as will enable them to act harmoniously in the denomination, each being recognized as an independent church. Resolved that the clerk of this body be requested to furnish the dominant party of Nashville with a copy of this report. So that is reading the entirety of the actions of Concord Church where the First Baptist Church uh, belonged at that time. 
If I understand this correctly, the, the Concord Association recognized the minority, J.R. Graves, A.C. Dayton, and the other 45 that were excluded from the First Baptist Church as being the true church of that area and seated them. They also recognized the, that the church there, the dominant part, still had authority to correct its error. So they weren't saying that it was not actually a church. They just said it was in disorder. And so they, they, they was open that maybe the majority would eventually in time correct this and that there'd be one people again. And uh, uh, that would have been good, good if that had happened. But let me read you what happened 10 years later down, down in this issue. The Concord Association, in 1868 annual session, the Concord Association rescinded the offensive and injurious actions which had been taken against the First Baptist Church ten years earlier and invited it to resume its connection with the association. The church unanimously accepted the invitation. Isn't that sweet? Why can't our brethren do that in this day and time? Here the majority that excluded the minority is back together recognizing the minority as that they excluded as a sister church. Not only that, I've got the history of oh, I said, what's called oak, 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 oak to ashes. I think it is. It's the history of the National Baptist Association. Both the First Baptist Church and Spring Creek went into that organization in 1900. So that that is uh, the way that this issue was handled. And the brethren didn't think what they did was uh, disorderly or unscriptural or unbaptistic when they recognized that minority as being the true church. Uh, matter of fact, I'd like to read from the history of Sandy Creek Baptist Association again what they thought about it. Can you, can you imagine that this issue got all the way back over that area where Baptists have got, a, got good ways of, of getting bad news traveling? Ain't good news, kind of, we kind of keep that quiet, but we can get bad news out pretty quick. On page 247 and 248 of the history of the Sandy Creek Baptist Association, resolution, we unanimously passed recommending the great iron wheel and Orchid's history of foreign Baptists and also defending the moral character of Elder J.R. Graves, the author of the great iron wheel, against the slanders and misrepresentations of the enemies of that work and recommended him to the confidence of the denomination. So these brethren here, these churches here in, in Virginia, or I think it's Virginia, it might have been North Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. They, they, they supported, this, this church, association supported Brother J.R. Graves. Now, how did some of our local associations look at it, you reckon, back then? Certainly if it was a disorder, our, our association would jump right on that and, and broke, broke fellowship, wouldn't it? Let's see here. 1860, the Enon Association of United Baptists. Uh, don't, don't y'all get too excited with that fact that the Enon was called United Baptist back then. Uh, we didn't wear the title missionary at that point. Even though I know we wore that name all the way back to Christ according to philosophy. Uh, we, we, we were United Baptist for with missionary. By fact, J.R. Graves is the first one to declare himself a missionary Baptist. That's true. And we took it from him. But anyway, in 1860, where it says, Resolve, number one, that we as an association do heartily endorse the decision of the General Association of Middle Tennessee and North Alabama and the Concord Association touching the difficulties existing in the First Baptist Church at Nashville. All the churches of the Enon Association in 1860 supported the minority that was excluded from the majority and J.R. Graves as being the true church of the First Baptist. All the, I, I wonder how that would work today, you reckon? Uh, 1852, in our resolved that we recommend to the brethren of this association to take the Tennessee Baptist and do all they can to sustain Brother Graves, its editor, in his efforts to defend Baptist for or Baptist principles against the pedioism of the kindred doctrines. 
got one more here I want to get these pages. And this will be very interesting. 1882. The association elected Elder J.R. Graves to preach on tomorrow. And you know what they said in history? He preached for two and a half hours. So the United Association, in 18, even as late as 1882, still supported Elder J.R. Graves, even though he had the stigma of being excluded from the First Baptist Church at one time. So how does that work in this day and time? Would the Enon Association, if it even existed today, would they still take these kind of positions? Well, certainly not. They've got brethren that don't know history, they don't know Bible, Baptist doctrine, and they don't know what the Bible teaches, and they're out setting their own rules and standards. And if this study goes on, y'all keep going on, we're going to take a little thing that they wrote in 2000. Uh, they wrote 11 things based on what they call uh, necessary for fellowship, and we're going to show you that, the, that they're not Baptist doctrine. If this, if this goes on, y'all will keep going on on that. So we see how the Enon Association felt about these matters. We saw how, how the, the other associations felt on it. And so this would make a good precedent, would it not? For us to judge by today. If we see a, 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 a church that is wrongfully doing brethren in it, we're not supposed to close our eyes and say, well, it's none of our business. Whatever affects the unity of the Baptist kingdom affects all of us folks whether we like to admit it or not. When we let someone infringe upon the rights and the privileges of one of our Baptist brothers or sisters, and we concede to that, we're okaying for them to do us the very same way. I'll be as honest as I can with you on that. I believe very much in each church having its own autonomy, and it has the right to govern itself. And we have the right to make our decisions. The Lord put the government in the church. And no one can deny that. Paul made that very clear. The government to rule itself exists in the church. And God gave us very few laws to go about governing ourselves. He does teach us to be in unity on it. He does teach us to follow the scripture procedures in it. He teaches us to be, when, when, when things come up, to one speak at a time and do it in rotation, not three or four jumping up at one time trying to speak, sing, or whatever. He wants everything done decently and in order. But he left the government up to each church to carry it out the way they see fit. And as long as each church keeps its ordinances as pure as it can, no church has the right to interfere with the government of a sister church. Amen. 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 Just don't have it. Um, where am I at here? Oh, I, I, I've done jump, I've done jump shit, but brethren, we're going to some different arguments. Uh, have y'all got any questions on what we have discussed tonight? I, I know that I'm presenting a whole lot to you. And I know you can't grasp it. I'm glad it's going on the tape that y'all can just get it down and, and go over it. I'm giving you what's at in history where you can go back and look it up for yourselves. You will find that I have not misrepresented the history on that. Uh, it's, that's reason I'm reading to you out of the history book. So, so I can't be accused of making this up on my own. And, and I'll be honest with you, folks, I'm not smart enough to make this up on my own. And, and I wouldn't even consider even trying to do some of the things that our forefathers did like yet each other. Is there any questions on that? I'm going to go through four more. I've got five minutes, basically. I'm going to rush through four more cases so that I can take up a different argument next time we come together. But these four more cases are minorities that were recognized as churches. Number one is Macedonia, or New Macedonia, at Club Springs. Uh, I think Brother Ricky Wilson's pastor there right now, uh, over in Smith County. I think he's, he's their pastor. What a lot of people don't know, they split in 1878, page 94 of Grimes. Yeah. The minority called a council, page 94 of Grimes. The council advised the minority claim, to claim the old constitution and begin, or rather, continue business for the Lord at that place. Page 98. They didn't reorganize. They, didn't let, they did not get letters from the majority. They did not get an arm. They didn't know about those things back then. Is that something to think about? They didn't, they didn't know they were supposed to do those things back then. They didn't do it. 
So now, if what the brethren are arguing today, you've got to have an arm, or you've got to have good scriptural letters, then you must don't know the church. If they're right, but they're not right. See, if they're right in what they're arguing today, that you've got to have that arm, or you've got to have good sister, uh, letters from sister churches, because light begets life, that's their argument. I've got it documented. I'm not misrepresenting them. Then, then Defeated Creek's not a church. Siloam's not a church. Uh, Spring Street's not a church. And you said it's not a church. And none of the other five that we gave you back earlier are churches. Now, the minority called Elder J.H. Grimes as pastor, page 94. And number five, Grimes says, seemingly both sides, majority and minority of the union association split, agreeing to live apart, yet live as brethren, recognizing each other's baptism. They divided, but they stayed in unity. They didn't agree on what the point was. I ain't, I ain't been able to figure it out uh, what Jacob Stites and Jacob Stites and Rod Deeds. I don't have no records on him. But whatever it was, they, they did divide but they remained in unity. Wouldn't it be good today if we could divide and remain in unity? Listen, we can't, we can't carry the work out without being in unity. Now, Rocky Mound. Some of y'all know Rocky Mound. You'll find this in Grimes also. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time with it because most everybody's got a Grimes or access to a Grimes. They were first organized in 1878. Some say my home church at Macedonia who went by the name of Garrett's Creek that, that back then was their mother church. I, I don't have a document to prove that because our records burned. But I do know that Wiley Henderson that began that work was our first clerk at Old Macedonia and he was a preacher. So it, it's very, very much can be true that Macedonia was the mother church at Rocky Mountain in the beginning. They partially suspended in 1882. In 1883, the Long Creek Association refused to seats because they were in disorder. I've got the Long Creek Minutes. I didn't bring them. There wasn't no need of it because if you need them, I'll bring them to you. But, the law, but they refused to seek Rocky Mountain because they were in disorder. What happened, a brother, Chrisley Miller, had led the majority off after what we now know as General Baptist Doctrine and left a remnant there a minority that didn't, that, that didn't go there. They reorganized November the 7th, 1885. So here's a church that split the minority came back together and reconstituted in order to be a church. Now, that's a different precedent than what we then done gave, isn't it? But that's another way the Baptists did it back then, and they were in unity on it, and nobody had a problem with it. But I grant you, I doubt if they got, they got, doubt they got good letters from the, the majority that left them. Don't y'all? Uh, some say that... Uh, uh, Sam, uh, Elder Sam Carter and uh, uh, J.R. Stinson, I think, was the leaders in that work. And a scattered brethren from, that was left and, and some from, from Garrett's Creek and Siloam came together and constituted the group there. If that's correct, and, and what Grimes says, then I know that we at Old Macedonia didn't have a part in the reconstitution of, of Siloam. Because, see, Sam Carter was my great-grandfather. At that time, they had started the church up, up in Rodimer in Allen County, and uh, my grandpa was pastor there, and he was a member there. So Tunnel Mission, what we know is Tunnel Mission now, or Briarfield, might be the mother church of Rocky Mountain, but, but we don't, we're not at Macedonia. Now, another, another case, that's two. One of them was in uh, uh, 1878. One's another in 1878 or 79. Now, we're going to go with... Another case, and that, this church is called Bethany. How many of y'all are familiar with Bethany? <laughs> Raise your hand. They were organized in 1851, page 358 of Grimes. They divided in 1886. Did y'all know they divided? They had a division in 1886, page 359. The majority went into error and followed John Smith, page 359 of Grimes. Elder D.W. Smith advised the minority to bring the majority under charge, ruled that the majority had no right to vote while under charge, and the minority took them up one at a time and excluded them for heresy. Page 360. The United Association recognized the minority as the true church. Read Enon Minutes, October 1887, pages 1 and page 4. Elder J.F. Lambert moved to reconsider that. 
it, it failed. The Smiths had more more is that what does the Smiths had more influence in the United Association than than the Lamberts did. That's what it boiled down to. So we find here that that here Bethany, the majority went off after heresy. Well where's that put a minority when when a majority departs into heresy? It puts puts them not existing, don't it? By Baptist doctrine. Yes. But they didn't come back together and organize. They came up with a better solution. We'll bring the majority under a charge. We won't let them talk. We won't let them defend themselves. And then we'll take them up one at a time. We'll wholesale charge them. Then we'll bring them up one at a time and exclude them so they can't do nothing. And then after they're excluded, we'll own the property. That's basically what it boiled down to. But yet the Enon Association settled that issue like that. Even though I would consider it irregularity. They corrected that. They recognized that. And they went on about their master's business. And we stayed in unity. Good example, ain't it? Isn't it amazing? Have you noticed the churches I'm giving you in our area, every one of them that has had problems are the ones that are causing the problems to us today? Amen. Amen. Y'all notice that? The ones that really need the help years ago are the ones that are causing the problems in this day and time. I think that pretty much covers... Yeah, we're going, we're going to start with the resolution of the Enon Association 1881 next time. I think y'all probably heard about that. Where we agreed not to take nobody unless they come by a good letter. Is there any questions or anything that we discussed tonight? You're going to be surprised about that resolution. It ain't nothing like they're manifesting it today. If you go back to the history. Is there, is there any... I, I really thought we'd have some discussions, some questions or something other when we started this. I've got a... Uh, I've got a when I came here, um, I think maybe it was the last Sunday in 2018, I preached at Siloam. And uh, I didn't know anything about all this division. I didn't have a clue. When I when I was called here to pastor, the deacons took me back in that room and said, now there's a lot of churches that don't get along with us. And I, I think my answer was, I'm here to follow the Lord. I don't really care. Um, and I, that, that is still my, I want to follow the Lord. Um, but I guess the last time I preached at Siloam was the last time I preached at Siloam. <laughs> and, uh, yep. uh, because I, I, I went to Siloam one Sunday and I came here the next Sunday and apparently during those seven days I became unsound somehow. <laughs> so, um, when did all, that's how it worked, yeah. Um, so I, I've, I've learned a little bit. Was it the late 60s or early 70s that, that meeting? And you don't have to get into that now. But my question is, was any of these precedents, did anybody stand up and give these precedents? No. So that not have made a the, difference. The, the, I could have started with, with the problems of today. No, I'm glad but, you but, like but, but, but see, that you wouldn't know, by doing that, nobody would know how our forefathers handled these issues. Yeah, and that, that's, that was my question, if, if any of those precedents... So, so, I, so I'm establishing these precedents of how our forefathers handled these issues. They, they, might, they might not have been uh, what's that, completely in unity at the time they did it, but they came together and said, okay, we've settled it, we're going to go on with it, and fellowship one another. And, and that's, that, that was the key to it. I'm not saying everybody agreed with everything that happened, but th they did agree to be in unity and go on and serve the Lord. To answer your question, it began about 1960. Okay. It began actually in the Enon Association, and we're going to bring all that out if y'all want to continue. And if you don't want to continue, that's okay with me. But if y'all want to continue, we're going to bring that out. It was an ordination at New Salem Church down Snow Creek where a brother by the name of R.D. Brooks was seated in it. Okay. I just wondered if anybody brought up trust. To me, whether it's whether it's our country or our church, it's important to know where we come from. I mean, no, Nobody to my knowledge is. Now, it's not that they didn't know it. Right, it just didn't fit their agenda. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. Some of these old preachers knew these things, yeah. but it wasn't. Because I'm hearing it for the first time. I, I love some old brethren, but I knew some of them well. This is the way they, they, they practice. Yeah. And y'all know I'm telling the truth on that. See, I'm not young myself. I started out in, in, 
1969 is when the Lord brought me down and I joined Old Macedonia. I joined after they had that general association. I remember the brethren talking about that. What are they talking about alien emergence? None of them even knew it Macedonia. What is even talking about down at the general association? And that was in 69. So there wasn't that. But, but if we go on, we'll get into that. I think Brother Randy said that y'all want to bring it all the way down to the division of Bide Russell and how Monaville came into existence. And if you, if you want to, that's fine with me. Uh, I've done the mission work at, at Monaville. I've got nothing to hide there. My own church was the mother church of that. And everybody went into Monaville with, with, with charter members from old Macedonia. I don't have a problem with that. So, you know, to me, there's never really been a conflict between Bide Russell and Monaville, except in the minds of some of the people. Because yeah. Bide Russell had nothing to do with our constitution at Monaville. But, but that's what Brother Reddison, some of y'all brethren, want to go to that point. But actually, we're going to have to go all the way to 2000 to where some of the, oh, I think it was 42 churches that were invited to this meeting down at Long Creek. Now, if you wasn't on the list, you was already just, uh, what do you call it, blackballed. I think that would be the word blackballed. See, I, I think Paul said, I cast for the pebbles, white or black in, in the scriptures. You was already got the black pebble from Paul if you wasn't on that list. Uh, old Macedonia didn't make the list. We were already blackballed. But they started a movement down there in, in 2000, and, and that's actually where, even though there was in a lot of confusion, I think that's even putting gas on the far on that. But we'll see. And and and, and these brethren, I wish they would come. I, I don't mind them coming. And if they want to discuss this sometime, openly or freely, I don't mind doing that. They can get their moderator. I'll get me a moderator, and we'll set 30, 30 minutes apart, and we'll start discussing these issues. I, I don't have a bit of problem discussing them. I love my brethren. We've got some awful good brethren, what I call on the other side. I thank the world of them. Yeah, and they're sound in their preaching. It's just that they got hung up on these traditions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it has nothing to do with Baptist doctrine or the Scriptures. And they're good brethren. I love them. Yeah, and there are people getting saved under the ministry and their churches are growing. I'm just tickled dead and happy as I can be about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad the Lord's still blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad He looks at us as His little children. And... I'm sure we disappoint him a lot, but now he's still we still his little children. He loves him. Anything else? Brother Carter, what is the uh, Grimes book that you made reference to a couple of times? A History of Middle Tennessee Baptist by J. H. Grimes. I've got several copies if they want. <clears throat> I thought I bought all them off you at the Nissa School. You had a bunch in your trunk. I bought every last one of them you had that day. And uh, you tricked me. Well, you, you got them all at that time. You, you, you tricked me. I bought them to give to brethren, young preachers, what I bought them for. I got one or two left. Besides this, one. nobody would want this, and I've got it marked up. Anything else? J.R. Graves was the first person that declared himself a missionary. Is that what I just said? Is that what I just said a minute ago? Let me refer back to this wonderful book here. They got, got this little preacher in so much trouble back then that I didn't know what I was going to do. Let's see here. Uh, I know I've gotten here somewhere. He along with Amos, uh, he along with Amos Cooper Dayton and James Madison Pendleton began what was known in history as the Landmark Movement. He was the first to declare, I am a missionary Baptist, as were John, Christ, and Paul, and as were all Baptists until within the last century, and that he alone is truly a primitive Baptist who is a scriptural missionary Baptist. Enon Association in 1886, I think it was, resolved to change your name, or our name from uh, United to Missionary the next year they come back and they said, if y'all want to keep the United Baptist, keep it. And those that want to be missionary, be missionary. My home church at Macedonia has never officially made a motion nor a second to change from being a United Baptist to a missionary. We had Brother N.C. Pukwe as our pastor for a while, and he said, we all in the Wiseman Association now. You all just go over the name missionary, and our heart started doing that. one month. United Baptist the next month with Missionary Baptist with no explanation. 
well, uh, y'all may not be, but Dixon's Creek is old enough that, that they're older than even the United Baptist. They didn't even wear it. They were just regular Baptist or separate one. Yeah, they're, 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 they're even older than the Appalachian United. This is great here. Anyone else? It is good to be here, and I appreciate you coming. I appreciate your attention. Pray for us. We, we need the Lord. You know, I don't have any more years I've got in this whole world, but what they are, I, I want the Lord to take me and use me. There's nothing more precious than the gospel going out and lost souls getting under conviction and getting saved. And that's my desire. I want to see the Lord's kingdom be built. And the way it's built rightfully is we disciple lost people, get them saved, and then teach them to unite with the Lord's church and get baptized, and then teach them to live godly lives. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's my desire. Y'all pray for us. Thank you for letting me come. Bless you, brother. Appreciate the lesson tonight. Um, um, but those are our brothers and our sisters.